Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of tequila, the show of San Antonio. Lots of Depeche Mode talk, lots of Stone Temple Pilots talk today with the proprietor slash founder of the Bavardier Group in San Antonio, Jarrett Pena, one of the brightest personalities and forefathers of the cocktail culture in San Antonio with no signs of slowing. You might know him from the Brooklynite. You might know him from Last Word in San Antonio. But do you know him from being a tenor, a vocalist in rock bands, being a huge Depeche Mode fan, and highly influenced by Scott Weiland? Yeah, me either. I had no idea about this stuff with Jarrett. And we have a great chat sitting down in the back of the Brooklynite. We learn a whole lot about Jarrett, the man, the myth, the legend. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this chat with Jarrett Pena. was a perfect yeah. example of like them like sampling different uh, sounds that they would hear from all over the place. That's yeah. kind of crazy. It's so strange. Like here, uh, oh, I dropped my phone. Well, that's going to be a snare drum now. But also lyrically, they were, I mean, they're they're beautiful lyrics. I yeah. mean, Martin Gore probably is the most underrated songwriter. He's, he, he, I, feel, I always feel so sorry for Martin. Not because he didn't have money or didn't have family or women. Or and an that. alcoholic. Yeah, well, drug addict too. I heard some stories about him at Numbers in the, the 90s in Houston. I heard that he would go to La Mansion back in the day uh-huh. uh, in, uh, on the Riverwalk. Yeah. And he would get just slammed, wasted, and play in the piano at El Colegio. Lounge. Oh my God, are you kidding me? Yeah, like I heard like him and Dave, they were just like, she, he was wasted out of his mind, Holy the bartender shit. told me. And just like going to town on the piano and singing. And I was like, man, I wish I was there. A fly on the wall. I, w- yeah. I wouldn't have given it. Fly on the windscreen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Death is everywhere. Yeah. yeah death is. <laughs> Man. Yeah. So this is, it's, it's good because I, I don't know why I end up talking about music so much, but I feel like something about creating cocktails and, and flavors and things, it, there's a lot of notes to it. And then we, you, you always see like tasting notes, flavor notes, all these kinds mm-hmm. of things. And notes are, they're music, right? True. And so like, do you, when you have a cocktail, like, I don't know, Take something simple like a daiquiri. Do you ever think of it in that way, where it like sings high, high treble, but then it has low bass, like all these kinds of things? I don't think of it in, in that aspect, but yeah, I mean, there. I always like to think about cocktails in the sense of, uh, you know, there's, you know, there's major components that you want to add to cocktail, whether it's sour, sweet, bitter. Yeah. And some, you know, spirits are going to have a stronger presence. Uh, you know, like using a Martinique rum instead of using you know a spanish style rum i mean that's that cocktail is going to sing completely differently totally than that of like using even a jamaican i mean that's the beautiful i mean david martin that's right, right. Yeah. totally the, the difference like you've got so who would be the jamaican jamaican, jamaican um rum. dave soulful dark, soulful dark. yeah that's the martin is the martinique oh sure like, yeah. no no pun intended even yeah. but yeah <laughs> he, he's like the agricole type a little bit lighter brighter more delicate more deep. much more depth much more depth yeah but not the 
like sultry, dark caramelness that is Dave Gone. Because that's what what I think of. The, you know, like where he hooks the deep, uh, like like. I mean, yeah. what is that? It's like uh, is that he's like deep. It's deeper than a tenor. I mean, what is that? Like, yeah. a, it's a baritone. Almost, I think right? he's tenor, but he could he dips into baritone at times. I think because some of those. I mean, some of those songs. I mean, the the, the like which one is like a. I'm trying to think of which song. Like you went really, really deep on a couple songs. I think it was. Well, you know what? Oh, sweetest perfection. That was sweetest Martin. perfection. That was that, that was Martin Gore though. Martin singing that. That's song? Martin. That, that At shows that you, low. That low. No shit. Really? Yeah. What? I had no idea. Yeah, I mean, you, like Martin can his range is stupid. Yeah. I mean, he can hit those crazy high notes like from a, uh, uh, what's that one song from Songs of Faith and Devotion? Um, the one. Mercy, no, not mercy, mercy, you. Not mercy you. The uh, the one, Lord, well, the one, the one with. Are you talking about Dave or Martin? Yeah, condemnation. Condemnation. So the background of him like hitting this really high note. Uh-huh. That's Martin Gore hitting this extremely high note. Really? Yeah. He's singing like a choir, like a, like a choir. Yeah. That's so crazy. That's yeah, wild. Yeah, that, something about Depeche Mode. I don't know what it is, but I listened to music for masses on the way back from our Christmas vacation. Yeah. I've listened to it in a different way than I ever had. Like to having to hold, it was like kind of a throwaway song to me. No, that is a fucking amazing song. And it's like, even if it's only two minutes long and it's only one part, it's just so haunting. And it just, it, it really helps cement that whole record. Sometimes is another Sometimes. beautiful song. Oh, it's like dude. completely like a minute and a half maybe. Yeah. And just him just going to town on this like, and beautiful. I mean, his vibrato is even stronger yeah in that song than a lot of the other ones. i hear that that when he wrote it i don't know if you heard this like he was he was basically naked in his basement playing piano and that's how he wrote that song that seems to make some it. sense that totally I makes sense it. i mean like i those dudes are all super crazy they're totally crazy, crazy. i love it though i mean yeah, you have to love too. crazy and they still they still do it too you know? yeah and so it kind of you think music is because you were talking a little bit earlier and it's like you didn't necessarily go do live music but i imagine you found your place like with some headphones and trying to concentrate and like music was an influential thing for you yeah i mean it was i would say definitely stone temple pilots was one of oh, my dude. favorite like band I mean, how do so, you like, feel about i was Scott? completely saddened i mean it's literally i shed i shed a tear and i called my brother yeah. you know, that night because like you know i was in a band i mean i didn't get to tell you that so oh, I was you in were a in a band yeah i was in a band what'd you play i was vocals no shit yeah who so, when was this uh 19 then i joined then i hung out with some friends and we just jammed out at their house for a while when yeah. i was in my mid-20s because i already had a kid yeah yeah i wasn't really you know i was working my ass off i wasn't able to do much but i mean i like i kind of created my voice based on scott wyland yeah so like you know the first song i ever heard of stp was plush and i was oh, just yeah. blown away i was like and at that time you know i was the movie apocalyptic movie from stephen king what's it called uh the stand the stand was that, that movie was that show was being uh you know, being shown on yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, the while that was, it was a really dark miniseries. And while that was being shown, I was listening to Plush. And I, there was like this direct so some like some dark. Kind, so like, you're, you're telling me that your vocal style, and I, this is unprecedented. I don't think anyone's ever mentioned this before, but your vocal stylings are a perfect hybrid of The Stand by Stephen King. Oh, God. And Wyland. <laughs> and for fucking Stone Devil Pilots. But also, you have to throw in uh, uh, Martin Gore in there. Sure. Well, the vibrato. Well, and the nice... I was, yeah, I was in you know San Antonio Boys Choir when I was a kid. Were you really? Would yeah. you, would, uh, what, baritone, tenor? Tenor. Tenor. Yeah. yeah, you seem like a tenor. Yeah. So, I mean, it was like, you know, like, I my you can ask my brother. My, I'm a huge lover of Martin Gore and all yeah. things he does. You know, I have his counterfeit uh, album. Oh, yeah. All the solo stuff's great. Too. Yeah, it's great. I mean, uh, uh don't turn you back on Mother Earth. It was like just this beautiful song, and it, I think it probably. Do you think it appeals to your sensibilities as a 
acquire kid because he is so operatic like he, he's so technically proficient as he a is. singer too you know which is pretty rare for like in modern music that yeah, someone's I mean, that good technically of a singer he is like i mean i mean if you really i love uh, li i love listening to him sing because i mean as he's he's pronouncing uh, pronunciating like the yeah. beautifully yeah you can, and they're distinct i mean you you know i know a lot of them have uh, voice coaches like so that they can perfect the actual uh, words within their song while right, they're singing right. and recording. It's just like it's it's it sends shivers down your spine. No, it does. Okay. I mean, he's he's amazing. So, where did that music career as a vocalist take you? Were you just jamming, or did you play? Just out jamming. All? Yeah, I just really. I didn't. I didn't have enough time to do really much. Did you write? Did you like writing lyrics and stuff too? I have a little. Yeah, yeah? Stuff, yeah. Do you still write? Uh, I don't have any time anymore. Yeah. I really haven't written anything in about six years. Oh no, kidding. How old are you now? Thirty-four. Thirty-four. Yeah. So it's. Not, I mean, it's. That's what happens. You kind of you grow up. You grow up. Well, God damn it! Did I just say I that? Yeah. While I'm sipping whiskey <laughs> at eleven in the morning. <laughs> eleven for some privileges that life gives us sometimes is that at eleven forty-seven a.m. on New Year's Eve, it's New Year's Eve, so that like all bets are off anyway. Sort of. I mean, I still got to work. Yeah, but you you don't have to drink too much. This is true. This is true. It's not like just I'm twenty-five the, again. Where no, I you wasted. can deal with more of it now. Yeah, you know? and you're drinking good stuff. No, indeed. But so, did you ever want to do? Was that ever like yeah, a passion course. that you yeah, wanted like, to do and go touring and everything? You know, at one time, yeah, I really wanted to like be a lead singer for uh, a band, and yeah. uh, you know, it it, it was always a, I had several dreams. That was one dream to be a lead singer in a band. The other one is to be a politician. No of, kidding. Yeah, crazy, right? No, that's not so crazy. Uh, I think people would say like, oh yeah, I think Jared could make a good councilman. What what level of government you really local you, local. Never like a senator or anything like that. No, 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 no. That's not me. You just like the local community. Yeah, I like. I, I love supporting local communities. I love San Antonio. I'm yeah. a huge. I love. Like, I, I really do love my town. Um, you know, I've been working in the service industry since time, I was 18. Right? Yeah. I worked at this really wonderful uh, restaurant called Polos at the Fairmont Hotel, which was one of the first fine dining restaurants. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the big chefs started at Polos oh, no at kidding. the Fairmont Hotel. Yeah. Interesting. So it was. It, the Fairmont Hotel was. Uh, located on commerce street and it is the largest building to ever be moved move like they literally moved? lifted uh the building off of its foundation no and shit. moved it five six blocks that's it they moved just for five six blocks it's a historic beautiful building why why did they have to move it because they're going to build the uh the river center mall oh okay okay it used to be a a, a Housing and lodging. There's it was a whorehouse. Like, it was like all kinds of crazy Sounds history good. behind it. Yeah, that's I mean, a good. That's a good stuff. Yeah, I would have probably visited back as, then. as a politician. I mean, that would especially be a place. I mean, that's where you take you know your other politician friends <laughs> yeah. and. Hey, uh, you looking for a good time? Got four floors of horse. Actually, it's probably more than four. It was floors. three. Three floors. Oh, okay. It that's was cool. tiny. It was beautiful, tiny little boutique. -y. Like when boutique -y. was it built? You know. Oh, ish. I would. 1800s? I would. You know, like probably early. I mean, late nineteenth century. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was like late nineteenth century. I don't know the exact history. Yeah. No, it. it's interesting. I mean that. That's the thing about San Antonio that I, I feel like it's a little undocumented because the cocktail culture is, it's not a re, it's, I guess you could call it a resurgence, but the type of popularity and the sprawl <clears throat> of cocktails, like you, like you can go to St. Louis, right? And get oh, a good yeah. cocktail. Mm -hmm. That was not the case. Like when Craddock was around or mm -hmm. Jerry Thomas, like that, it was only in metropolitan areas, well, hotels it, and stuff. So San Antonio back at the turn of the century, even going to the beginning of the 20th century, was mm -hmm. one of the largest cities in the country. Yeah. It was the largest city in Texas. It was a gigantic, no one kidding. of the biggest cities west of the Mississippi. No shit. And it became really poor after World War II. So what was what was it up to before World War II? What was the main 
anything commodity uh, like manufacturing I, just, or I don't I don't I don't know that part of the history. Yeah, I just know I do I do know specific parts of the history and the city became extremely poor after World War Two. Interesting. It stopped growing. And it's it's uh it's evidence in the architecture around here. So in a lot of major cities, the downtown area grows out, grows out, and it it starting it encompasses other neighborhoods. Start you start tearing down. So back in you know after World War Two, you right. start tearing down older neighborhoods to build up uh, larger buildings, and that's common right, in a right. lot of larger cities. Mm-hmm. There was no very little growth after World War Two. So a lot of the beautiful homes that exist right outside downtown are mm-hmm. still are still around. You can go to Monta Vista and all those homes were built exactly in the early 20th century. Uh, beautiful homes, uh, you know, hardwood floors, pier and beam, and they're still up. And a lot of places even closer to downtown are still up because it, there was very little development after no that. Kidding. That's so strange. It's just like the, the economy abandoned San Antonio in a sense. Yeah. And I, I maybe, I mean, I, I only could speculate, but Maybe if manufacturing was such a big thing for the war, maybe that like I think Houston, time, Houston, Dallas start taking. I think Houston became a much bigger city just because of it, the port and yeah, uh, import, oil, export, oil. oil. For sure, interesting. So, do you did you grow up then in San Antonio? I did grow up here. Whole lot, like born and raised. Born and raised. I mean, there was really nothing to do. There was shit here in San Antonio for a really long time. Yeah. What, what kind of trouble did you get into? I like was a pretty teenager. good kid. I was yeah. a, I was a, went to private choir school. Boy. I was a choir said, boy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I went to an all boys school, Catholic school. Oh shit. Really? That's why, you know. I so when you got out, like you have a kid immediately? Like pretty, yeah. I mean, <laughs> just as all good Latin American Catholics yes. do. <laughs> if you build it up, man, you, yeah. what are you going to do? I grew my hair out long because I love David Gahan. Yeah. So I like, had like that long kind of like, like shoulder length hair. Yeah. yeah. Any tattoos? Uh, I didn't get tattoos until two, three years ago. I've always wanted tattoos. I just. Never got around doing yeah. it. Yeah. Well, and luckily, no heroin habit, it didn't seem like. <laughs> I'm kidding. Just, I'm just kidding. I just want to see a Dead little silence. bit of a silence area. <laughs> uh, no, no, but that's good. I oh, mean, yeah. take the things that work. And so, what what kind of stuff were you like particularly interested in when you're going to this boys' school besides music or what? Magic just, the Gathering. Magic the Gathering. You mentioned this. The, the, yeah, I, like, I love Magic the Gathering. What? Why? So, I, I played, because so not only was I in like in a, a boys' choir, but I also yeah. played basketball. Okay, that was a pretty good basketball player. Like not yeah, how tall are you? Like, a six foot. Yeah, that's good. that's good. You know, like I grew like seven inches in one summer, so I just became really awkward and lanky. And yeah, I didn't really didn't get grow my, into your body. Yet. Didn't grow in my body. It took me about a year before I became coordinated again. Mm-hmm. And by then, I was it was already the finish of my high school basketball career. But Damn. I, I was like, I got really good. Did you did you ever set your eyes on doing something with it? Going to college? No, I, I, I by the time like the towards the end of my senior year, like my basketball career. Um, I literally just started, like it was already done. Yeah, and I started shooting lights out, but it was just too late. Like I would have, you know, after that I got into a little band after high school, then met my ex-wife. Yeah, and then just yeah, ex-wife. So when did you get married that first time? I got married in two thousand. What was it? Oh shit! What was it? Two thousand. Two thousand. I'd rather erase the memory yeah. from my mind. No kidding. So you get out of high school, and so I, I'm trying to paint this picture, right? Like I got out of high school in one within one year. I was in a band, grew yeah, my hair out long. Yeah, good, long hair. No more basketball. Pool, no more basketball. Playing pool, drinking. Or were you too young still? I was. Yeah, I mean, I was drinking. But, yeah, good. Well, but I just mean, playing I could, tons of pool. Pool. Yeah. Were you drawn to? I just love playing pool. Like uh, my cousin's boyfriend was a huge uh, pool fan, and he would take me to these really cool pool halls up uh, on the north side of San Antonio, and we no would kidding. just play. I literally every day I'd play pool. Do you hustle? No, 
I was never that good. I was good, but not that good. Not that good. But you could hustle mid-range bar. I wanted to get a pool table here. Like, you know, we're in the back part of the Brooklynite. Yeah. We changed it up. Originally, it was all these tall uh, tables, and we got rid of them, put banquettes in here, and, and now we have a, a foosball table. We have a, uh, a shuffleboard. Shuffleboard, yeah. I really Some want dartboards dart too. I love darts. Darts, are, it's good. Yeah. It, gets, it becomes increasingly more dangerous, though, as you drink, I think. Because you, you don't care about your form as much. Well, sometimes we play extreme darts and we move it back 14 feet rather than eight and we start throwing away, <laughs> throwing from 14 feet away. It's Rob, my, my business partner, Rob yeah. Borlay, plays that. It's he just likes... He's just stupid. He's just stupid. <laughs> how, 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 how much more accuracy do you get the farther and the drunker that you get away from the I mean, It diminishes pretty... I, pretty pr- exponentially, I'd imagine, yeah. right? So the music thing, I, man, it's, it's, it's strange because you know, I have a lot of friends that... Both girls and, and boys, males, females, whatever, they get out of Catholic school and things just, prof- it's like they're stunted in a sense. Not not to say you were, but not even culturally, but like socially they just break out. Yeah, well, I didn't I didn't really like my school or the, most of the kids that I went to school with. They're like, I really like, you know, there's alumni tournaments and I was just talking to one of my friends today on, yeah. on Facebook. I haven't been to one in like over 10 years because I, I don't like most of the people that I went to school were with. Were they like... What 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 was to dislike? Like why why didn't you mesh with them? Oh, got a huge list. Other than like <laughs> you know, bunch of you know, jock meatheads. Yeah, you know, I played sports, you know, but I was never a football player. Yeah, you which know, is different. It's a whole other level. Different. Yeah, it's just a bunch. It was just dumb shenanigans yeah. all the time. I mean, it was just, I mean, it was fun. Like half the time was really fun because there was all boys, so you can get away with so much more shit. Hell yeah. Oh, dude, some of the shit we pulled off there. Was, you ever burn down a building? No, it's, I mean, good, good. Th- that's like really like horrible evil shenanigans. I'm talking about some of the stuff we did. Was <laughs> Moderate, like, like sophomore level shenanigans. Yeah. Did you ever feel like going to, to college after school? I did want to. Would you want to study? Um, business administration. Yeah. I've always wanted to like own businesses and whatnot. Yeah. So you got into trouble like relationship wise once you got out of high school? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it didn't happen for about a year. I mean, I was single for a year having to get time, like yeah. long hair going, like Samson, you know, just hell going, yeah. And when'd you cut it? Did everything go to shit? That's how it yeah, works in the Bible, I've here. Ish. I mean, but yeah, it's Old Testament, you know, yeah. more of a New Testament guy. More New Testament. <laughs> Exodus, um, whatever. What, uh, Deuteronomy. Yeah, that's a, the that's Pentateuch, a book. the first five. Very, you know, oh, books. very good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. We're going to have a Bible talk for, for a second. Actually, I know shit about the Bible. Nor do I. Good, good. Well, you seem good. like you know a lot. Just a little bit. Just enough to get, Just get enough by enough on to Jeopardy. Get me in trouble. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you had, a, so if, I think, father, so when I look at the stuff that you've done, you know, I met you when. You had been opening the Brooklyn. I had actually first met you when you did a guest bartending stint at Midnight Cowboy. That was fun. That was fucking cool. But the the thing was that we could we could deal it. We could shovel it out the the wit and the sarcasm. Yeah. And it didn't bug either one of us. No. And so I was like, huh, I think I kind of get this dude, you know. And then it's lo and behold, Depeche Mode yeah. in your blood, yeah. in my blood. Yeah. It's something that people can bond bond to. No, Depeche Mode is like a bonding agent. For it people. is it that really and the Smiths. Is. This, oh Jesus! I've talked we about don't even need to talk about this. Yeah, the Smith. The Smiths. Yeah. Yeah. Done. Yeah. Done. Done. Mm. Johnny Marr. Even Johnny Marr's soul stuff's good. I like it. I haven't really. I just. I'm, it's. I'm a Morrissey guy. Yeah, I understand. I mean, hit me. It's, I'm a. I, I like voices. Yeah. So like to me like. Yeah, Johnny Marr doesn't have a good voice. No, I just I, I'm all about like a good solid voice because I mean because I'm I'm a singer so yeah. I'm like that's just that's what of, you yeah. that's what you kind of attracted to correct. So the Brooklyn Night, then, because that's you were opening up, you did the guest stint at Midnight Cowboy to fuck fuck around, I guess, with with Austin and like a lot of fuckery, people. yeah, yeah, lots of fuckery. But then we kind of started. I, I think there was like a kindredness to it. We had a lot of things in common and stuff. But the one thing that was pretty apparent is that you were a good dad. 
you know i didn't know that about you at first but then you know vicariously living through your facebook feed i can see like you're you're out there with your wife you're doing things you have a son how old's your son now he's two and a half two and a half so like two and a half years like just went by like I, and that. i have a 14 year old who yeah. are like and your daughter right from your yeah, first marriage been raising since she was seven is it uh joint custody yeah but i, I i'm she's with me 95 percent of the time yeah how was that raising a teenage female it was hard yeah it was real hard yes you know i have a, i you know i have a my brother lived with me for seven eight years mm-hmm. older brother younger brother? younger brother Jor- Jarrell, yeah. Jarrell, yeah. And, you know, he was total dude, bro. Yeah. You know, he was a total bro. Goatee. Yeah, goatee, like frat boy, old ex-frat boy. Oh, really? Oh, he's great. Actually, he's really fantastic with my daughter. That's so cool. But, you know, my daughter grew around a bunch of dudes. Yeah. Is she kind of tomboyish as a result or? A little bit. Yeah. She's not like, I mean, she's not prissy like the, a lot of the girls her age. Right. She's, she's 14 now, you said? She's 14. She's kind of into emo. I fucking hate it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Real big surprise. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it's like the horrible emo. It's like... What, like what? Like, uh, like the, the eyeliner and... Yeah. The, like, what, what is emo now? I don't know. Let's, I'm going to totally date my fucking self. Like, what? I don't, I don't understand at 12 o'clock on New Year's Eve of 2015 what emo is now. So I never listen to emo, but I just know my daughter... Is. Is. <laughs> encompasses all things that are emo. Like, <laughs> it's just like... I ask her to do something. She's like, <laughs> it's like just the but world what, is what, falling apart. Why? Yeah. The world sucks, dad. This is horrible, daddy. <laughs> yeah, no, she just like, it's pretty rough. But she's a, she's actually a really good girl. Yeah, I'm, she's, I'm sure she's probably a, really smart, driven, yeah, she, get the, gets all yeah. that stuff from you. You guys, you and her mom have a pretty good relationship? Yeah, we have a solid relationship. We're, like, we're cool. I mean, yeah. is her mom email? No. No. No, no. So it came from you, 100%. More than likely. I mean, I'm definitely... <laughs> Emo is genetic from what I hear. I guess so. <laughs> Maybe it skips a generation. Maybe I think my mom would have been emo if she is was... Is your a, son emo at all? He's intense. He's more of a, like... He, he's going to be probably a little rocker. Like, he has a yeah. pretty deep... Like, he's going to have a deep voice. Like, mm. my wife, you know... My wife's from Thailand, but yeah. she has, like, a... She's a deeper voice for uh, a, a female. Yeah, yeah. And my kid is going to have this, like, deeper, like, raspy voice. So really? I'm, I'm, I want him You're to be a little... You're looking forward, like... Yeah, man, I'm like, what, I want him to sing. I want him to be a... A fucking like metal god. Yeah, Dio. Yeah, in the fl- hell. Do I love Dio? Dio. Oh. His voice. His, I, another voice. It's phenomenal. Amazing voice. Yeah. From a small dude. He's like th- he's, five three. He's like a little Napoleon. Yeah, he's way small guy. And Ultra just, nice guy too. From what I, I hear, anyway. I haven't met him either. He's passed away. But but everybody that I know that's met him, it's like nice guy. Yeah. Small, diminutive. Did he Italian? write the lyrics to like uh, Holy Diver? I I think so. It doesn't make any sense. I've never understood that. It doesn't make sense. But it's beautiful. Metal doesn't often make sense. How you feeling about Lemmy passing? Saddened. Yeah. yeah it's kind of icon, right? No, he, he is like just this warded out like, like crazy <laughs> rocker, man. Like he's phenomenal. Catcher's dude. mid of a man. He's a catcher's <laughs> mid. <laughs> he's he was, I mean, There's something, and I, I think I mentioned this in another interview I had, but there's something about Lemmy falling that the Empire will. You know what I mean? There was something. He was the last peg holding up that. That's exactly right. He's like the last pillar of classic metal and classic rock. And there's something that to me feels very doom-ish. Rock is dead, man. It kind of is. It's dead. Yeah. I mean, besides Dave. I mean, I love Dave Grohl. And I think Dave's holding it up. Okay, yeah, yeah. But that's kind of it. That's it, man. Dave's 40-something. When he turns 50, Dave's not going to be the same dude anymore. He's not going to be able to write the same. No, man. You got Queens of the Stone Age, too. Jack White, I guess. Jack White, I would say, is a... What do you, how do you feel about Jack White? 
I mean, I don't think he's completely rock, you know? Like, yeah, it's kind not. of hard. I mean, I, I, a lot of it has to do, once again, with uh, the voice. Yeah. Like, he's got a whiny voice. Yeah. But even, you know what's even funny is, like, even, like, Scott Weiland from STP, his, like, if you look at the first two albums yeah. versus Vatican Gift Shop and Four. His voice changed completely. His cha- like, there was no more of that gruff and, like. No low end. Yeah. Like, uh, what is it? Big Bang Baby? Is yeah. That the first like, single off of uh, Songs from the yeah. Gift Shop? That I was like, wait, is that Scott Weiland? They didn't sound like Scott Weiland. Like, I remember being like, you, how old are you? How young 35. are you? Yeah, so we're the same age, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember, like, when, I guess I was a sophomore or a junior when that came out. And I was like, oh, I, like, you know, I heard Stone Temple Pilots, their first premiere, like, yeah. uh, uh, song for the album. Of course. And I was listening to it's it. Crazy. I was like, it's not Scott. Yeah, it doesn't sound like him. It's not Scott. It's like his voice all choked up. Yeah. Like all constricted and stuff. I mean, I like some of that. Stuff I mean, it was, no, I mean, there's some great stuff in there. But it wasn't the same. It wasn't soulful. And I wonder if it's like the heroin voice. Not that I've ever noticed that there's a heroin voice, but maybe there's a Maybe heroin. there is. Like, you know, uh, Seven Cage Tigers was a perfect example yeah, of another, yeah, like, yeah. wasn't like. I'm telling you, like, <clears throat> I still think Purple is my favorite album. Really? Yeah. It's them sounding like Zeppelin at their finest, I think. You know, because it went from almost like a metal band. Like, they were their first tour was opening up for Megadeth, if I recall. Oh, shit. Yeah, isn't that crazy? When Core came out, like 90... 91, 92? 91, 92. And so they started out, and that's like the label, which I think it was Atlantic. They're like, okay, well, you're going to be a metal band. Open up for Megadeth. And then, you see all like, like red hair. He's on like, yeah. all the red hair he had. Yeah, it's crazy, so crazy, dude. It's so crazy. It like, sucks, you know? And let's let's take a sip for Scott, because that's, yeah. that's a fucking shitty thing. I knew he was meeting his demise soon enough, but he went he's out still influential, man. Pretty rowdy, man. He, did. Mean, he, went, he came in as he went out. Yeah. Absolutely did. As for you, Scott, yeah. never knew you, but highly influenced as well, man. One of my chefs, uh, what, not one of my chefs, one of the chefs I worked with met him 10 years ago. Oh, no way. Uh, while he was playing here in town. How was it? I fucking thought he was an amazing human being. Oh, man. He, uh, so one of his buddies worked for a radio station. So my, my, my friend, the chef, mm-hmm. went to the, the VIP area and he saw Scott Weiland there. <clears throat> so he ordered a, a dirty vodka martini and he ordered two, one for himself and he ordered one for Scott. Right. So the bartender gave it to Scott and Scott said, thank you. He went over to hang out with the chef and started talking to him. And he goes, Hey man, you want to smoke a little doobie? And <laughs> my chef was like, yeah, fuck yeah. Of course. So the, you know, him and Scott Wildland smoked pot together. That's fucking cool. I was like, God damn, that's pretty badass. That's so cool. Man. Yeah, dude, that's great. It is. And I, you know, there's a kind of story. It's like, and I'll tell you what, like one of the reasons for doing the podcast is that you know, we have, we'll have these moments and we'll sip this and like, no matter what happens to us, this moment cemented and it's forged in digit, <laughs> in the digital realm, you know? So we'll get back to the, you. You're from San Antonio. You grew up, you go to a Catholic school, you get rowdy, you have a daughter, you have long hair. At what point what, did the college thing just not work out? You, you just, it just you I just had it? to start working, you know? And yeah. uh, I mean, my, my ex-wife at the time, you know, she wasn't really able to work. Uh, because she was taking care of the kiddos, so I right, was working right. like almost two jobs. Oh, shit, what were you doing? Uh, work. I was basically working for a hotel and just working a crap ton of hours. I was working as a, uh, a busboy mm-hmm. and banquet server part-time, and then I was doing valet and concierge work. Oh, cool. And did that kind of wet your whistle, so to speak? Yeah, oh, yeah. Get close? Because, I mean, you're, like, in proximity to the bar the whole time, right? Well, I first got into the restaurant world, so I started, you know, I didn't, you know, there's a friend of mine who's a manager now at Bohannon's, mm-hmm. and he'll joke about this, that, you know, because I didn't grow up, like, we didn't grow up wealthy at all. Yeah. Honestly. And my parents spent all their money sending my brother and I to Catholic school, which I wish they just 
Just put, put that money into like, like a travel or something. even like a like a custom whole life plan, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And by the time I was like my age, I would have like be a millionaire. Yeah, yeah. You know, but um, yeah. I mean, my friend Sean would laugh and joke about it. I didn't know the difference between salmon and lobster. Like, okay. I mean, like, like I didn't know. Like, I was literally did. I never Just in the dark about it. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I, That's crazy, right? I was like eighteen years old. Never like the. But nicest place we ever went to was probably like an outback. Yeah. It was just all steak. You know, I didn't eat seafood. Like, yeah, you get steak. Seafood. I know what steak is. I get fried shrimp. That's seafood for me. Yeah. So I got introduced to the fine dining world. Uh, chef Mark Collins, who's who's now a chef in, in the Carolinas. He's mm-hmm. a great guy. He's running his own place. Introduced me to some really great food. Um, learned about vicious soie. Oh, yeah. I learned about some good wines. I, I, got, I took an interest in wine and food. And that's how it, uh, the bar scene started for me. I started learning more about food. So I love food more yeah. than I do love beverage. That's good. I love, I mean. I think all inspired cocktologists, I'll say that, that, that they come from. I'm a cocktologist. A cocktologist. Oh, yeah. Now, cocktologist, yeah, there we go. But it stems from some kind of passion for food and for flavor, I think. Yeah, I mean, like, I'll never forget one of the best dishes I had were these jumbo prawns and a pomegranate garlic sauce. Oh, yeah. And, you know, couscous. And oh, then man. he had, like. It was beautiful. This beautiful dish, um, you know the desserts they had there. I mean, they had this, 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 these fantastic uh, cheesecakes mm. that they made from scratch. What year would you say this is? Two thousand, two thousand one. Oh so yeah, so was, way early on. This you're is, young. This yeah. is yeah. T- you're twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen twenty years old, um, and it was this like really beautiful experience because I was introduced to fine dining. Yeah, not a lot of people that age are. No, you know? no, not at all. So you know. Picking up from the right, yeah. Placing, you know, dropping food on the left. I mean, sorbets, intermisos. Like I learned. I mean, I was very much entrenched into the whole fine dining scene. Yeah, it was all about service, and I learned about service working at this tiny little restaurant that's that had maybe ten tables in there. Mm-hmm. What was it called? Polos. Polo, oh, the polos. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So from there, I uh, stayed in the restaurant scene. Then I end up going to hotel. I end up going to jumped around different hotels. End up going to Hotel Valencia, mm. working the banquet department, and uh, the food and beverage director and the bar manager cornered me one day <laughs> and it told me that I was the chosen one. Will and, you be the singer for our band? Yeah, yeah I, was, I was like, yeah, sure, I can do that. And I can do that. <laughs> and so, sure enough, like they asked me to be like I was the chosen one to bartend. So they they asked me to bartend at Hotel Valencia and V Bar at the yeah. time. That was like. The hottest the fucking place. bar. Like, it was hot, man. Like, everyone went there. Everybody. Yeah. It was fucking hot. Like, like you know, what, we had what's, what basketball players. We had, I mean, what we, was a Friday night like? That? You know, 10 grand on a Friday. God, it's crazy. That was back in, like, 2003. Yeah. We People, made so much money. What kind of stuff were you guys making? Just just shit. Shit. <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I drank Ciroc on the rocks during that time. Yeah. So that so and Hangar One uh, Mandarin Orange. Like, I would drink vodka on the rocks. We know next door was this this iconic historic bar called the Davenport uh-huh. uh, that a lot of my friends worked at. Uh, it, a lot of people that grew up in that era still talk about this really cool fucking bar yeah. that did these really cool martinis. But it was like this great bar, the corner of Houston, St. Mary's. And when I get out of work, I would have two shots of Patron. That's right. I said Patron. No, dude. It's and a Dos Equis with lime and salt. And that's what I drank. Like when I got off of work, that was my That's what you wanted. Drink. Yeah. Like, hey, let's go. Give me a shot. Dude, dumb, Boom. Dumb. Done. One sip, like big old chug of the beer. Yeah. Another shot, and that was it. And ended up drinking Ciroc on the rocks the rest of the night. That's. I mean, it's. I love Ciroc. It's a good. Vo- I mean, it's, it's a good fine, vodka, right? man. It's, it's good. Yeah, like, whatever. The, 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 this is the thing. When you 
just want something that you don't have to think about, vodka is the perfect solution to that. Yeah. Right? It, it totally is. Like, you put it on some rocks, mix it with juice, fuck, whatever. I don't have to think about it. Yeah. Just do it, right? Yeah, so, It's like, like eating a hamburger from McDonald's. Don't have to think about it. I know I'm going to like it. Yeah. There's nothing challenging about it. I love Big Macs. Fuck yeah. They're fucking good. Totally good. Jumbo Jacks. Love Jumbo Jacks from Jack. Yeah, Jack. the Jumbo Jacks are pretty badass. It's, it's good, too. But the, the thing is, at some point, you're like, maybe I can do better than this. Because it doesn't make me feel good, necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, that's funny. So, the first time I had beer outside of, like, Bud, you know, Bud Light or mm. Budweiser or Dos Equis was uh, Newcastle. Oh. That was the first, oh, yeah. like... Flavored beer yeah, I had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was didn't know shit about beer. It's like, Ooh. this is like flavorful. It's like a flavor. Or it's yeah. like, like I've never had anything like this in my life. And then next thing you know, like Boddington's, I started drinking, you know, like obviously Guinness was around already, but right. I didn't really associate that with like a crafty beer. And I started drinking a Sierra Nevadas and just ex- en- enlarging your, yeah. your, your palate. Yeah. And so did you end up going to that the Davenport place to kind of hang out and see what was going on over there? Oh, I would hang out. That was like my bar. That my brother and I, that was our bar. We would drink there after hours and hang out and have a fucking blast. It was like, it was one of the most memorable experiences I had. Like, Is this still around? Bar. No, it's not. It's So you know the Starbucks at the corner of Houston, St. Mary's? I, oh, I just, yeah, I actually just saw it. Okay, that used to be uh, the Davenport. Actually, Liz Forsyth? Uh-huh. She was a manager there. No shit. So you could you could talk to her about it. It's, yeah, it was, for sure. It was the fucking coolest. I'm gonna fucking get. Bar. I am gonna get so much of a ramming of San Antonio cocktail history. Yeah. Today. Yeah. In these four fucking hours. Yeah. It's gonna be good. It's yes. Gonna be really, really good. So where'd you go from Polo? Polos or no? Sorry, uh, so Valencia. Valencia. And I went to uh, opened up Hotel Contessa. Okay. And I that's where I got my first taste of actually making cocktails. In a sense, didn't know what the hell they were, but I was making. A, I was making really a proper caparina. Yeah. I was making a, a proper mojito. We were doing. Uh, and those are the first real drinks I ever actually made. Really? Did you did did you get it? Like tasting them? You're like, oh, I get. No, this. they were really good. Yeah. yeah, I get it. Like, I mean, they, they taught me the way they did in Brazil, and it was like, and I still use that same technique. It's like it's really tasty. Like, yeah. I, mean, I, I cut up the limes and muddle it like the actual pieces with right, sugar, right. and just it's gorgeous. I mean, Capitolinas. I drink. love Capitolinas. Nice and brisk. Oh yeah, cachaças. I love cachaça. It's Ooh. like four men's uh, uh, rum, Martinique. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally is. Tastes like snakes. Like snakes, <laughs> a little bit of snakes. The snakes they burn snakes out of the, the sugar cane. So, but but you see this stuff. Did, did you feel like the environment for cocktails was also changing? Like no, I just, it was completely over my head. I mean, it was really there was. It really wasn't a cocktail bar. It just we had like some cocktails. What, what people would call cocktails now, they were just considered South American, yeah. or Central American drinks. Yeah, which is funny because they are kind of classic cocktails. Yeah, they like are classic cocktails. Yeah, kind of Cuban, right? Yeah, yeah. That is that is the it is. Animation, is it? Yeah, yeah. Havana, yeah. So, from there, I got picked up by a manager at, at the Watermark Hotel, which is now the Makara. Okay. And down in the, in, on the river levels, a restaurant called, uh, uh, the what was it called? It was called Pesca. Pesca. It's, uh, so, I got asked to go open, like, not open. I got asked to bartend over there. And when I went there, they had a gigantic tequila selection. Really? That, I, I imagine Mexican seafood place? Yes. Yeah. I know some Spanish, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Best cats. <It's> okay. <laughs> so they, um, so I end up learning a lot about tequila. And, I, you know, what happened is the general manager asked me to do a tequila seminar, mm-hmm. like in September, a year after I got there. And he said, you have one month to study all you can about tequila. So within that one month, I went on several websites. I bought a book, started cross-referencing different, uh, different websites and yeah, books. Yeah. 
and I learned a shit about a shit ton about tequila, and I learned to love tequila. Like, oh shit, like tequila's fantastic. Like, yeah, so many you know, elements. To oh it. god, yeah. I mean, like you know, I was totally had a hard on for this, you know, the Espolón uh-huh, uh-huh. at the time because it was the reposados where were aged in three different types of oak. Right. Like all these like really cool like like you got a mixto, you have uh, lowland, highland. Yes. You, all, it's crazy different. Yeah, it was great. So like I learned all about that. I became this huge advocate of tequila, and I started selling tequila all the time, and and slowly I started adopting the mezcal because they had mezcals there and they had mezcals there too so they had mezcals early 2000s 2000 this is already 2007 okay okay but still there's not a real big climate for mezcal no we had like four or five mezcals that's that's incredible so you know at the time like i before that before i went to pesca i was already drinking scotch so i was drinking johnny walker blacks and i was a huge fan of uh, lagavulin and Mm -hmm. lafroig so i always so people that came in to drink Lagerfeld and Freud, I was like, listen, you have to try mezcal. Yeah. If you like these really smoky islands, it's, so yeah. it's not very different. And there's this one guy in particular who's from England. I never, I'll never forget him. His name is Mr. Small. Uh, he is Martin Small. That was his name. Martin Small. And he loved mezcal. Yeah. He stopped drinking Lafroy and he sent me a letter like a month later Thank saying, you? thanking me. That's like, fucking crazy. Yeah. And so during that whole time, Partita ended up hearing about me. And I got asked to work with Partita Tequila mm-hmm. as their like bartender ambassador. So I worked for t- uh, Partita Tequila for two years. How'd you like that experience? I loved it. I mean, I got to meet Bobby Hugel. Yeah. I met Damien Windsor out of LA, uh, Eric Castro, yeah. uh, Russell. Russell. <laughs> <laughs> Why does everyone laugh when we talk about Russell? Man, I, I love know, him. I've never hung out with Russell, but I got God, stories. God, he's so like, fucking funny, man. Yeah. I love that man. I, I love good him. Dude. He's, a, he's a good guy. Yeah, man. I don't like that man. We'll see. If I can reach out to him. Yeah, you should. He's good peoples. But you, but you're seeing that spirits can be art because to keep like that level of exposure to the elements of production and being out there in the market, being a brand ambassador, mix all whatever yeah. it was like, that opened your eyes to it. Well, that I st- it really didn't hit me until I went to the Anvil to see Bobby, and I was oh, like, yeah. holy shit, this is I'm I don't know how to make cocktails. <laughs> 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 I was completely humbled. I was like, yeah. I'm gonna fucking learn how to make cocktails because that's this, amazing. Because no one's, I don't like people being better than me. <laughs> <laughs> out of out of egocentric necessity. I was younger then, you know. Yeah. I was hungry, you know. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, you're you not know. writing a better song than me, fucker. Fuck <laughs> you. I have a better voice. But that's sometimes reacting to the excellence of others is what makes you great. Indeed. You know I, mean? I mean, I I can acknowledge that he was a phenomenal bartender and better yeah. than me. Like I, there's like there's acknowledgement that it's like I would I can never say like oh fuck that guy. Like, yeah. No, he's phenomenal bartender. Yeah. yeah. He was great. Like I mean, yeah, watching Bill him, is... he was fluid. He knew his shit. Uh, he made fantastic drinks, and I was like, "Holy crap! Like I'm gonna take note of this, and I'm gonna become better." Yeah, you're gonna make me better. Thank you. Like that's how it <laughs> was. It's like Karate Kid or something. Yeah, like Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> like shake on, but with shake round on. eyes. Yeah. Yes, right. <laughs> I can see that. My wife's Asian. Yeah, no, that's fine. My son has round eyes. Okay, th- your grandfathered in or fathered in? in this yeah. Case. I can't say it. So you're going to have to, all the, the racial invectives and like all the great things that I can't I can say. cover most of it. Just cover. Oh, yeah. I yeah, will. Thank promise. You, thank I'll you. chime in. <laughs> but yeah. So, I mean, so Anvil is a turning point for you. You're like, fuck, I don't know shit now. Yeah. Great. Great. I, you know, I could say for a very brief moment, I walked away with my tail between my legs, but then I was like, it, was, it became very inspirational to me. I was like, holy shit, like, I can do this. Yeah. You know, then I started seeing other people from around the country talking to people around the country and next thing you know like i was taking bits and pieces from you know all parts of the uh, of the country 
And you were still the working with Partita. Partita, right? Yeah. Partita. So I, that was that was a game changer for me because I was able to see different parts of the world that most people, different parts of the cocktail world in, in the United States. But so, how long did that gig with Partita last? Two years. Two, two years, you said. And so, did you? Did you had like this newfound inspiration after you kind of left that gig, and you're like, I have to do it because like as as a brand ambassador, or whatnot, you don't necessarily have the power, although you've got the knowledge to do great things. But you're you only have a certain capacity. Correct. It's like where where'd you head up? Yeah, after the, after that, I ended up opening up Bohannon's downstairs. Oh, really? Yeah, with uh, Don Marsh, who now owns 1919. Okay, cool. Another great uh, teacher of mine. He was a. I mean, he's just completely. I mean, he's, he he knows so much more about whiskey than most people I know. Just yeah. completely a spirit savvy guy. That's the longest bar I've been to. I think. Yeah, it's pretty. Well, <laughs> yeah. Esquire is probably the biggest. Yeah, no, Esquire is massive, but like, yeah. it's not as long though, is it? Yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, both of those spots are really incredible. Yeah. So. Don taught me a lot about spirits. So he's kind of like my spirit father. Your spirit animal. Yeah. He is my <laughs> spirit animal. <laughs> did really you, is. So is this true? And you don't even have to talk about it, but did you guys have falling out of some sort? Don? Yeah. It was really like ish. I mean, look, man, the truth is like there's certain probably some things I can't say. Yeah, sure, sure. But I mean, it was some pretty fucked up shit that went on. But I mean, we were cool now. Like, yeah. you know, I love him to pieces. It's all about I wish him the best. Anyway. Yeah, it's yeah. all about now. I think there was probably some resentment because I ended up going to the Green Lantern and I took a job over there when I think he wanted to go. And mm-hmm. then he ended up leaving Bohannon's and went to Green Lantern and fired me. And there's a little bit of animosity there. And then, but I told him, like, hey, you're not going to like it. Yeah. And. Sure enough, like he, he had a huge falling out with the owner of Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Is Green Lantern still around? I think so. Yeah, but not not at the top of the no, the no. list anymore. No, right? not at all. So, I mean, there was like you know there was there were some things that happened, uh, and so basically the three a lot of the, there was like four or five like kind of foundation builders of the cocktail culture, and mm. three of them being like Steve Mahoney, my, uh, myself, and Don Marsh. None of us really talked to each other at all. Really? Yeah. Even though, like, together you would have accomplished I never more, really right? did. The funniest thing, like, I never really did anything. I was kind of in the middle of, like, this little war between both of them. Really? Yeah. That's so strange. It was really weird. Do you, you feel like you're kind of a whipping boy sometimes because you're such a nice guy? People will just, like, give you shit? Uh, no, I'm not always a nice guy. Okay, good, good. Yeah. I want to see it turn. We'll see. No, I don't. Will. No, it's, that's, that's not nice to be. <laughs> ask my brother. It's not really good to see things. It's, it's not, not a good it's thing. Not, no, no, not at all. That that rage. No, but I think you know, a lot of us, you know, I still talk to Don, you know, like Don and I are cool. Like, yeah. I love the guy. I think he's he's a good human being uh, downright. I just, you know, there's Don is very competitive. Mm-hmm. He's a super competitive guy and he wants to be the best of the best. That's just the way he is. Gotcha. Yeah. And in that, in it, I am. You're not unfortunately, so different. Yeah, uh, I mean, unfortunately, I'm not the same. I'm not very different than he is. Yeah, I was going to say, if Anvil causes you to be brilliant. There you go. It's com- it's a competitive. Spirit, no, it's it's you know? complete. I'm very very competitive. Yeah. So I mean like that. You know that's what you know. Don and I. Compl- I respect the hell out of Don. I think he's. You know I, I wish him the best. He's yeah. great. That's good. And you guys were there, kind of starting it up. And so you, yeah. you from Bohannon's. When did you end up at Esquire? So I ended up after Don fired me at a Green Lantern. <laughs> I literally was out of a job for 20 minutes, and I got asked to run this little tiny little bar called Le Midi. Mm-hmm. It was uh, at the corner of Houston and Navarro, which is right down the street from Bohannon's. And when I got there, I got to do whatever the hell I wanted. Who was running the bar? Like, I was running the bar. No, no, I mean like who opened it? Someone that someone else. Some yeah, some guy Just opened some it. Okay, and he left, and he asked me to come in, and I did. I did whatever the hell I wanted. So I mean, at that time, you know, we were doing. You know, I was I was playing with liquid nitrogen. I was mm-hmm. playing with reverse purification. I because it was such a small bar, I could. Mm-hmm. I was doing foams. I was doing like like I was doing all kinds of crazy. That shit. was your lab. 
that was my lab. A lot of what people are doing now, like, you know, we did it. Like, cause we, I was already like following Dave Arnold and all these cats. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my buddy worked at WD, uh, 40. Yeah, w, yeah. No, yeah. WD50. W, WD50. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. I can't remember. He worked at Wiley Dufresne. Yeah. He worked there. So when he left, came back to you know, to San Antonio, two months after I took over La Midi, like him and I got together and we started doing these crazy fucking experiments with, uh, what's it called? Uh, essential oils. Yeah. Carbonating cocktails. Like agar, it was, agar. Agar, agar. It was fucking cool, man. Like we, you know, it was extremely experimental. Uh, we did some. We, we had some really fucking good cocktails on that menu. Did you have a lot of failures? I imagine it was one of those places where you know what I imagine. Like everybody that tried to fly before the Wright brothers, I imagine those cocktails things where the guys like put on the wings and they jump. We. Off the- I have a really good sense of flavor. Like I can taste. Like I can taste drinks in my head. Yeah. Like flavors, oh, I can already like I can taste them. Like I already know. So you can build it without even tasting. Yeah. It. Yeah. But I mean, all the proportions. You know, I don't always get Tweak the proportions it, right. right. But, yeah. But you get like this is going to have these three notes. This Correct. is going to be the, the bitter, middle, high. Actually, I don't want bitter in this one. Like, so it's a, it's an interesting way. Do you do you see it in your head? Like, do you actually physically see it? Yeah, yeah. Because some are you a visual learner or oral learner? Uh visual. Yeah. So when is it that you are dubbed the king of? I'm not, a, king. I'm not a fucking king. <laughs> no, I'm not the a jester king. The, the, of the, San Antonio. The court jester culture. of San Antonio cocktail. That sounds more appropriate to be honest with <laughs> the you. The jester. Um. So after, you know, so Chris Hill, who I, who's the owner of the Esquire, who mm-hmm. I consider a friend now, I love the guy complete, completely, he heard about me through David Allen. Oh, no shit. Yeah, I, I love David. David's brilliant, yeah. He, like, him and I had, you know, we had a little tough time at the Esquire. Yes. I, no, I had a pissing contest with him the first time I met him, and there was- He could be a little rough around the edges. But only if you don't realize how wonderful No, he's fucking he amazing. I love David. Like, yeah. Like, you know, David had a, him and I had a, some, we had a little bit of a rough time at the Esquire working together. Part of it was my fault, my, you know, my lack of knowing what to do. And right, I, you right. know, and we, I mean, we made a lot of mistakes over there in the beginning. And, but he was like, he was right on a lot of stuff. And, uh, yeah. you know, I can, you know, looking back, I can think. No, he's, he, he is a sage. No, he is. Like, he, he totally the guy, is. He, I And you wouldn't him. even know unless you yeah. talk, like, you look at him like, oh, he's not a sage. You talk to him, oh, he fucking he's gets fucking it. Amazing. He just gets it. He gets it, dude. He just gets, he gets it. it. I love him. Yeah. Love it's great. And, it, and, that's the thing too. People like this would be the second conversation today that I've had about Patron. Actually, and people are like, "Oh, Patron." I'm like, you know what? Dave is breathing amazing life into the Roca and other kinds of like limited releases they're having. Like, I think people are going to really rally around Patron again and this stuff. Whether they want to drink the the Blanco out of a bottle for forty dollars shot, or whatever. I don't know, I but don't know. they're doing some cool stuff. That's so cool. Yeah, I, I attribute that to him. I can you know? honestly, I like respect it. I'm not. Yeah, you know, I'm a businessman. I'm yeah, not exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I have to. You know, it's you have to walk a fine line to be like Mr. Creative Bartender and also being able to run a proper business. And yeah, for sure, because it's a balance there. You want to have like the Force, bro. Yeah, I don't want to be a Sith. <laughs> Wait, maybe I do. I don't maybe know. A little bit. Maybe a little. Enough. You a little bit of I'm dark not side. Old in you. enough yet to see. Like I'm going. Gray. Are you a Padawan still? Yeah, no, I'm no, I'm I'm Sithish. I'm pre Sith. Yeah, pre Sith. Pre Sith. You're an yeah. apprentice. Yeah, for sure. I'm like two phases before a Jedi, but then, but I'm at that crossroads. Yeah, you know. Mm. So you saw it. You saw it, didn't you? I did. I felt it. I, as soon as you walked in the building, I felt that. The, <laughs> the, the, yeah, <laughs> the Force. No, but you saw the Force Awakens, right? Yeah, I did. Of course. Do you like feeling like a kid again? Oh, I love feeling like a kid. There's nothing. So I wish I was a child again. Yeah, yeah it, it makes so. It was so easy then. It, it's trans, transportative. Like you, you watch. You're like, oh, I'm gonna go put on pajamas and have my Return of the Jedi comforter on my, yeah. on my bed. You know. So, but so the the Esquire seemed to be the launching point for you. Though. Yeah. So so Chris found me uh, through the help of David. He asked me to take over. You know, be the bar guy of the Esquire. I did, and 
And for the most part, he let me run with the program, you know, however I felt, you know, however I thought, you know, it should be ran in regards to the, the beverage side. Yeah. I did not take a lot of the experimental shit that I did at, at Lamidi with me because just it was too labor intensive. Yeah. Oh, labor intensive. And do, it was do esoteric. Think, do you think people would get it? Maybe more now. No, but think maybe would, now, but no. Not then, then no. right? No. So it's more about like, because I, I always go back to the Beatles as being the, the litmus for, for cocktails. Like mm-hmm. Daiquiri works because you always get it. Yeah. You don't have to guess about it. Yeah. You're like, I, no, I get this. I like it. Sweet, tart, yeah. boozy. Got it. Simple, easy. Yeah, easy. Balanced. No, so then Chris let me take it over. And the first menu that we did there was, it was good. Yeah. Uh, the summer menu got, it was better. And we start, I started playing with, you know, beer and cocktails. I did one called the Pinky Swear, which was with rye, grapefruit, honey, a little bit of lemon and pink peppercorn mm. topped with uh, IPA. That sounds good. It was really good. Real nice. Then the fall menu of 2011 going into the winter of 2012 was the best menu that I think we ever did over there. Like, you what know, about my like your whole life's work? Is it still one of the best ever? Uh, no, I don't think so. But it was like it had Up some of the, point, it had right? some of the better ones in there. <clears throat> it really did. It was just some really beautiful cocktails, and that's when, you know, during that summer was when um, Top Chef came to San Antonio. Oh, I didn't. Oh the, no, I remember that that episode. Yeah, yeah. So who, who top, was the winner that season? Do you remember? Uh, that was the Paul Key season, was it? Yeah, yeah, it was okay. Paul Key. Yeah, that summer, you know, there's a friend, of, a friend of mine who's a chef here in town. He was supposed to be on the show. He didn't, but he was already in talks with with uh, StarChefs.com. Mm. So he told me StarChefs is, you know, in the summertime, he's like, "Hey, StarChefs is going to come to San Antonio," and I, you know, I told him about you. They're going to come talk to you. And I didn't know who I, I had no idea who StarChefs was, right? Or what they did, or you just you're doing your thing, like yeah, some, it's a cool some whatever, man. Cool, yeah, done. So they ended up coming in November and I'm making them like these cocktails. I made him these. I, I made him a an only word, which was a a mezcal based uh, last word last with word. Uh, celery bitters. Oh, interesting. I did a uh, sacrilege, which was a chamomile infused pisco with uh, an egg white, chartreuse, honey, and lemon. Like a with pumped cra- up pisco with, sour with cracked pepper on top. Yeah. Oh, that was Bill Norris's one of his favorite drinks. Oh no kidding! He told me that one time, and I was like, I didn't think like I knew I knew Bill Norris at the time. He said Lamitty. Yeah, I knew who he was, but I didn't realize how big. Bill Norris was. And he how, doesn't like, know woke. how big he is. No, he has no idea how big he is. It's 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 almost like crippling to talk yeah. to him about it. Like you realize you did this. Like, huh? so like I remember Hugo. T- Hugo, remember, sh- do you mean Hugo from a Citadel? He used to work for Citadel Gym. Oh no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. He told me he's like, man, Bill really loved your drink. He really liked you. He's like, oh, it's cool. I was like, no, dude, like Bill likes you. I was like, he doesn't like anybody. <laughs> what I hear, yeah. Bill doesn't like anything. <laughs> yeah. So I made that drink for Star Chefs and that, and uh, uh, I made a a. Basically, an old fashioned with uh, bacon, bourbon, and mezcal laced. Mm. So it was nice, smokiness. Was fat. yeah, fatty like barnyard. Yeah, I remember the one thing I, I got from you. You used you did a peanut oil infused punta mes. No, a peanut oil bourbon. Oh, oh, that's right. Oh, with punta mes. Punta okay. mes, and uh, I can't remember what the other thing was. Uh, it didn't even really matter, but that that specific element though of adding the nuttiness yeah. and that fat to to oh, the spirit. That was something I learned from you. Yeah, that was, it was I, a gorgeous I drink. Thought about PB and J drink. Yeah, exactly. It, that, that was exactly a PB and J. It was a, so a creme de mur. That's right. Okay. Oh man, so good. That was a really good drink. And then so I made those drinks for them, and after they left, I started inquiring about who they were, mm-hmm. and a couple of my chef friends like, dude, they're like kind of like the right hand of the James Beard. Like they're like they're big. Like you uh-huh. know. So they interviewed me. And they made me make a bunch of cocktails for them, and then like Chris Ware, and who else in San Antonio? Um, no one else in San Antonio. Everyone else was in Austin. Yeah, of course, of course. So you're you're like leading the the cause here yeah. in San Antonio at that and we, time, and we and I won. No shit. 
Yeah, so I, yeah, I beat out all the boys from Austin, and I got the Star Chef Rising Star Award wow. in 2012. And the day that I received the award, at uh, it was in February, That's that I went drinking the night before mm-hmm. the, the award ceremony, and I got fucking wasted. Sure. Like, pretty As drunk. you do. Yeah. And I woke up in the morning with a phone call from my friend Jennifer McGinnis saying, hey, mm-hmm. you just got a James Beard nomination. Holy shit. Yeah. And That's I was, insane. I was like like what like i'm hungover like <laughs> barely like slept four hours and i got told that and i yeah. cried like a little baby and that is yeah. what's that moment like it was pretty wild that's really wild so yeah i mean but it was all because of star chefs like star chefs like if you look at all the people that won uh, rising star wars with uh, rising star awards with star chefs uh-huh. most of them they're people that won There's those awards connection. also had worked for a, a, a place that had a james beard nomination for the beverage program oh shit yeah that's crazy so that was the inaugural year, 2012. 12 right? of James James Beard acknowledging cocktail bars. That's incredible. Uh, did you win? No. Who won? Jimmy Him from PDT. Oh, uh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, makes some sense. Right. I'm still still happy as hell. Yeah, man. you're fucking in great company. Yeah. You just been you have a meteoric rise now to a level. I did you even imagine like you'd be at the Fuck forefront? No, of the man. Like, some dude with long hair. I didn't trying really to be in a care. Band. I didn't honestly. I, all I wanted to do is make a good drink. I didn't give two shits. Like yeah. I just wanted to make good drinks and have fun, and that's all that mattered to me. How how much later did you start the Boulevardier Group? It was after I opened up the Brooklynite, and I started envisioning what I wanted to do. You know, with what I had. And this is uh, 2014. 13, well, I right? opened up in 2012. The Brooklynite. Yeah. Oh shit. In October. Wow. I'm sorry. The time fucking passed. Yeah. Because I was there. Yeah. So my life just flashed before my Mm -hmm. face. Three, a little over three years ago. That's crazy. So, you know, uh, as time went on, I, I, you know, we had some pretty good, we've had great success here. Yeah. This place was a great con. San Antonio was craving it, I think. Yeah. You know, great, great ambiance, good cocktails, Cocktails. good personalities behind the bar. Good personalities behind the bar. For sure. So we, we, we thought about you know what do we wanted to do uh, moving forward in the future. It was this going to be the only place we have? So, yeah. we, and I was like, well, I'm I've never been a greedy guy, so I created a, a management group that I gave equity to people who've been with me for a long time. Sure. You know, Rob Gourlay, who's one of my partners, has been with me since Lamitty. So we're wow. talking five years. You know, give him you know give him equity piece in the business. Mm. And him, my brother, and uh, my other partner Steve Martin helped me run all of our bars. So that's what you said earlier. It's like if it was just you, you couldn't I'd do it. I'd be screwed, yeah. yeah. How do you, you know, you talk about equity, you talk about setting up a management company. I don't know if it's LLC or corporate sequel mm-hmm. or whatever, but where did you learn how to do that stuff? Like how did I ask you a lot of questions. Just asking people that you knew? Yeah, like I had a lot of people that I, and you know, I don't, I've never been afraid to ask questions yeah. and I love asking questions. I'm very, I'm very curious. I want to, I want to learn as much as I can yeah. before I know what I need life. to do. Yeah, for sure. I'm on a quest for knowledge always. A quest. Yeah, a sage like quest. Yes, but but without the gray hair. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, you don't have like hardly any facial hair, so I don't even want to hear. No, it. I don't. I, I I can grow it. I just my wife doesn't like it. She doesn't like it. You know, it's I about, don't think a lot of Asians don't have a lot of facial hair, do they? She has hardly any hair. That's right. It must be convenient for. Her. Yeah. She, cheaper and razors, Jesus. Yeah, she doesn't need to shave her legs at all. All all us Westerners, we're just bushels. I know. We can be bro. trimmed down, bro. Like. <laughs> I got a yeah. I got a little patch, big old patch. A patch. Yeah, well, yeah. The pasture, yeah, chest hair. For those of you who can't see but are interested in such details of my personal hairiness, it's a big pasture. <laughs> Green for me, it's lush, <laughs> it's lush black, thick, thicket, thicket. I like that. That's yeah. good. So you you are four strong now. So you Brooklynite, 
for for the Boulevardier <laughs> management group. Is yeah, that Brooklyn. the official name of it? Yeah. Uh-huh. So you got Last Word, Brooklynite, State Stay Golden, Golden, Social House, Old Main, Old Main, and that's is that the newest one? Yeah, it's the newest one. What's the, what's the concept there? It's more pubby, so it's more it's our first actual food concept. Oh, really? Yeah. How do you like having what is essentially a mixed bag of concepts? Because there's a common thread of probably great personalities, good service, of course, which you learned early on, mm-hmm. but they are distinctly different aesthetically. Yes. So how do you? Where does where do these ideas come to you? You just like I, I have inspired and well, I mean, I do have some really great people, design teams that I've worked with that you know that we throw a lot of ideas on the table and see yeah. what sticks. Basically, I know when we opened up this, I wanted it to be very like cla- like very like traditional speakeasy kind of looking bar because yeah. it was still hot at the time. Last word, I wanted to look more kind of turn this, uh, probably mid century, and it looks like probably uh, like a rush video. Rush video, <laughs> god damn it! Um, I'm going. We're going for more like just kind of monotone colors, very simple, yeah. uh, but still very elegant. Interesting. And uh, stay gold is just our fucking dive bar, like right? dive it octo is. bar. It's, it's still known as Golden Gloves. Do people still call it that. Uh yeah, people still call it Golden Gloves, but yeah. it's but that but it's different concept, different ownership, all that. We just changed the name from Stay uh, Golden Gloves to Stay Golden because oh. Because uh, Golden Gloves asked us to change our name. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, fuck you guys. He's like, fuck you. We're boxers. We'll beat your ass. Like, okay, cool, bro. Like, I'll, I'll change the name, man. I'm, I'm not a boxer. I don't. You, got, you guys I, win. I just want to love, bro. Yeah, love. Just love. Just love. Do you feel like you've been in. So, this is the thing. It's hard to kind of like look, introspectively look at oneself. But as an outsider from Austin looking in, it seems like you've been a formative personality, effort, spirit, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Like, in shaping the future of San Antonio's cocktail culture, do you do you feel like you're one of the forefathers? Yeah, I would. I can say that with you know with confidence. You know, I'm not the the father, but I'm like one of you know four people that have really pushed the cocktail industry here in town. Yeah, um, there's some really great people out there that make great drinks, and there are some people that are influential. It's it's just starting because USBG just new. Yeah, this year. we're. I think we're we're we are. Or Austin was five years ago. That's incredible. But yeah. that's kind of, but that's good because you're still cool. You don't yeah. take yourself too seriously. As that, but that's changing though. Like you know, there's some like people in this industry that they don't know anything about service. They you know they're all very much to themselves and right. they they don't really care about service. Or, Do you have any words for them? Like if you could just sit them down in this booth and say like, I would love to. I just think people get pissed off because I have a way of doing th- saying things to people that are it's pretty direct. I don't like fucking sugarcoat shit. Man. Yeah, no point in doing it. No. Yeah. It's just like I think that I I think that we are the the progress in the cocktail culture here in San Antonio is fantastic. But what's happening is that a lot of the people that have been the forefathers of it who understand service, understand like the fundamentals, the fundamentals yeah. of like being a bartender, we're all too busy fucking running places now. Like we're not right. we're not in the trenches anymore. So and all the talent's been sucked away, and it's growing so fast that we've created a void now. Mm. And a lot of these cats that are coming up, they they don't know. They've never fucking been in the service industry long enough to understand. Like, hey, who gives a shit? Like, have a good personality. Say hello to someone. Like, there's a lot of like real shitty people that work behind the bar. Yeah, that are in it just for themselves. They're not in You're it totally for like right. the hey, like for service. Like, hey, like welcome. Here's a bev now. Right. Thank you for coming in. They're just grumpy shitheads. Curmudgeons. I think the thing that calibrates me every time. So every time maybe we release a new spirit, maybe I'm working on a new project, whatever. It's not about me at the end of the day. No. It's about people enjoying their experience. And it's about people having something come out of them, you know, and mm-hmm. being able to let loose, being able to relate to other people. And if you've got a curmudgeon 
fucking stubborn, cranky piece of shit behind the that bar. Suck. They're, they're, they're there, dude. They're, I, mean, I can name fucking five of them here in town yeah. that don't give a two shits about service. I mean, they're, they're really good at, at executing this beautiful drink. Right. But that's all they care about. Yeah. But they it's so much more than There's that. so much more than this fucking drink. Like, I can piss in this drink. I don't care. I want someone who's going to be able to converse with me who's going to make me feel welcomed, who I can enjoy talking to. Because guess what? That is our job as a bartender. Our job is to get people to come back and have them have, have them experience a great yeah. uh, time at your bar. It's community. It's welcome. It's, We're the fucking watering belonging. hole. Like, no one wants to have a someone shitting in the water, watering hole, man. Almost literally no one. Wants yeah. That. I think literally nobody wants that. No. <laughs> even I don't. I don't want that either. No, bro. So what, you've got four deep, you've got a good management. I mean, I, it, it's hard for me to even project like what you would do next. seems like you've got your hands full right now. You know, eventually I'd like to get to a point where, you know, like I, I'll have one of my partners will hopefully be able to run, you know, if not two, three, if not four of the businesses as an operator with GMs under them. Yeah. And then we can start expanding our management company to start taking over beverage programs for other companies. Interesting. That's the goal. It's a good, good move. You think your son will ever make his way into the business? I don't want him to. No. You want him to more academic I, I just, I don't know. Whatever he wants to do. Yeah. Like, obviously, there will all be, always be a place within the company to, sure. you know. But you, you you wouldn't be like, that. that's not my, that you're not trying to create that path. No. Not Help him if he wants it, but not. Correct. Lead him down. I don't want him to, I, I don't want, he is, if he doesn't want to follow my footsteps, I don't want, I'm not going to force him. If you wanted to be a lead singer of a band, you're in I would fucking band. support his ass. Like, <laughs> what, what do you need? Play at the bar, son. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tape it, we'll put it on YouTube. It'll yeah. be everywhere. I'll yeah. make you big. I'll make yeah. you big. You doing anything for a San Antonio cocktail conference? Yeah, we're doing a few events. Um, Are you speaking at all? No, I'm not. I don't like doing seminars. No? No. Are you not uh, riveting enough? No, not at all. I, I, I think that's dull. bollocks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that people would I'm come quite to... Quite dull, sir. Well, it's good, man. I, you know, San Antonio is constantly changing. You've been at the forefront of it. And I never had a really a good sense of the minutia of everything. And actually, before we, we end... So we did. We have been sipping some bourbon. You know, you know. Full disclosure, everybody listening, we've been mm-hmm. sipping some bourbon. And this particular bottle for this episode is the. Is this a fifth edition? Yeah, it should be the fifth edition Parker's Heritage, sometime mid two thousands. But it is a wonderful Heaven Hill bourbon. Eight years, eight to ten years, is it saying there? Ten years. Ten years. Ten years, and then it's finished in cognac cask at fifty fucking percent. It's fucking gorgeous. It's I, killer, right? So, so much barley and beautiful cocoa. Dude, it's like, so much. No, it's, Gorgeous. And that, they don't often do a lot of cognac treatments. To the no, I've never, I haven't seen. This is the only one, the only I've, one ever I've ever seen. seen. Besides the Heaven Hill Select at the distillery, which is like higher proof than this, I think it's pretty much the same juice. Yeah, I loved, you know, I love tequila finished in cognac barrels. Oh, yeah. Uh, the uh, El Tesoro Paradiso mm-hmm. finished in cognac. It's yeah. fucking amazing. What's the color like on it? It's gorgeous, like this amber, not as dark as that. It's yeah. a beautiful amber hue. So everything you're, let's say you're 55. Son's doing good in his rock star band, fucking owning the industry. Life is doing great. You guys are sitting on the couch, chilling in your living room. What is in your glass? What's that one thing you'd go back to? Honestly? Yeah, dude, of course. Like what I, you know, what I'm, you know, what I can tell you what I'd be drinking now is wine. Yeah. But at that time, I'd probably be drinking tequila, man. I, I'm, I love tequila. It's all about tequila. Yeah, man. Good, good reposado. Yeah. You like any of the extra Nejo stuff? Like the uh, I never I in the very beginning, but I love I mean I love Blancos, but I love the Reposado because it's that bridge between a really strongly aged product of an yeah. Ajo and that the perfection of just a Blanco. Yeah, 
because a I mean, nice bridge. Yeah, because I mean, you know, Blanco's obviously, you know, like if the Blanco's good, everything else should be good. Yeah, absolutely. But I like, you know, the, the slight aging of a Reposado where you can still get the subtleness from the oak, yet you can still get the rawness of the agave. It's a good thing, and I, I kind of imagine you sitting there drinking that Repo at 60 years old. I think you're still going to enjoy it. I hope so. I I'm so. alive. See? I think you got a long... You got a long career ahead of you, kid. Let's hope that, sir. Hope so. Thanks so much for chatting with No, me, thank sir. you very much, brother. Thanks, man. Well, there we have it. The always candid Jared Pena. It was wonderful sitting down and chatting with him about Depeche Mode Stone Temple Pilots, but really even more amazing to sit and see the Brooklynite three years later in such an amazing state. It's a beautiful bar, and it was great spending that afternoon with Jared, talking about San Antonio, learning about the history, learning about his history, and seeing what's in the future, it's in the cards for Jarrett at the Bavaria Group and the larger San Antonio cocktail scene. So thanks everybody for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter which road microphone you prefer to use in your podcast or what kind of mezcal you might be sipping on today, please keep dancing.